made a couple mistakes in 2020 with that, and uh, some people found themselves in the sun sweating pretty good. And so we'll be meeting from 9 to 10. And so it's a little bit earlier, just one hour. There's, there's a number of things that'll, that'll change for those roughly five to six weeks. But uh, again, more details to come. Um, and so this, this morning, we have a guest uh, preacher, and he's a friend of mine. I, I told you guys about him last week. He is, uh, his name's Eric Hughes, and he's been pastoring, I think, 26 years. And um, I've had the privilege of pastoring with him for my first two years, and he was my pastor. And so we get together, and we always go through sort of some memories and things like that. There's, there's just things that um, God has used that he said probably my first two years in their church that have just shaped the way that I think about the church. Um, and so God's used him as a pastor in my life to help me grow as a man, as a husband, as a pastor, um, and then as a friend, because he's also a really good friend, even though we don't serve the Lord together in the same church anymore. Um, we, we hang out a lot. We vacation together. And then when we go back to Virginia Beach to see family, we're always typically with them, doing something with them. And we always find ourselves kind of off having pastor conversations. And so um, we've been, I don't know if we've ever really talked about it a ton about having him come in to preach, because I've been here 18 years and this is the first time that he gets the opportunity to preach to this church. And not only that is, I came from that church. That church sent me and another man here to pastor here. And so this is your first time preaching, actually, at this church. And so his wife's with him, Marie, as well. Eric has served or been serving as the senior pastor at the church in Chesapeake, Virginia, as well. And so please welcome with me Eric Hughes. Okay. Good morning, everybody. How are you? It has been such a delight for us uh, to be here this weekend. We do normally uh, see the, the Andersons in Virginia Beach, and we do tag along. Um, they have been so kind to Marie and I and uh, welcoming us and including us in their activities. Um, it's been so refreshing to hang out with them and to see the Stewarts and the Reynolds and the Smiths and the Bataglias and... Uh, we we go back, I mean, into the 90s. We all we all started together in the 90s in our in this long obedience in the same direction, uh, but it's also a long friendship in the same direction as well. And so it's just been great to be here. If you can open your Bible to First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 12. We've been studying through First Corinthians as a church back home, and we got to this section in chapter 12. Uh, maybe you know Paul is addressing the Corinthians, correcting them in many ways, addressing them about spiritual gifts um, and some issues that, that have arrived uh, or arisen because of their use of, of spiritual gifts. When we get to this section um, in chapter 12, verse 12 to 27, uh, that, that not only contributes to, to his argument and his appeal and even his correction and his shaping of them, but it actually becomes kind of a... a a foundational uh, piece of what it means to be a part of a church and how we see ourselves and how God sees us. And so it, it's, it's certainly uh, packed with, with instruction to them and therefore to us, uh, but it also gives us a chance, I think, this morning uh, to just reflect. You know, there's, there's so much 
about Christianity, uh, that you, you certainly learn things along the way, but so many times we grow when we're just reminded of things, right? We're just reminded again and again and again. And so today might be uh, something of that, a, a, a reminder, because certainly this is a section that many of you are familiar with. But let's, let's read this together, and then we'll, we'll jump in. God's word says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would this be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can gather together and worship and uh, bring praise that you alone deserve. Lord, and we thank you that you also address us through your word, Lord, that we can come to your word, uh, not, not only needy because we are, Lord, we need your spirit to come even now to help us to see what you want us to see. Uh, but we come excited because we know that your word transforms us. Lord, we have a chance, uh, and indeed it's your will that we, we walk out those back doors different than when we came in this morning because of what you do through your word. So I just pray that you do that in all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I don't know you guys well, and certainly many of you don't know me well, so this might seem like a strange question. Um, but I'll go for it. When was the last time you thought about your cuticles? I know, that's a strange question, right? But your cuticles, right? It's that part of your fingernail. Can you guys kind of push on it now? That piece of skin that exists uh, right under your fingernail. I, I, I'm bringing this up for the longest time. Um, I, I never do, by the way. I never think about my cuticles, ever. But this one time I did. Uh, for the longest time, I drove a Toyota T100. And it was a 1997 T100. And I love that truck. It just blew up just a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm really sad about that. And this T100 had digital nothing in it, right? I mean, it's, it was old school. Um, the way you got the windows down was there was this crank that was attached to the door. Young people, it was really kind of cool. You had to, to roll it, and it would go down and roll it, and it would go back up. Um, lots of things that were, were old school in it. But the thing that was, that was familiar about it, and I think is the same in most cars even to this day, 
is it has this, this trough in the door, right, where you put your trash. Like, that hasn't changed in all these years, right? You've got this, this little space uh, in the door, and so I used to put all my trash in there. You know what I'm talking about. You put your receipts, you put your, your gum wrappers, you put your, your empty sunflower seed bags. I mean, everything goes in there, which means that periodically what you have to do is clean that thing out, right? And so what I would do is I would try to get it all with one hand, you know, just to try to grab all the trash in one fell swoop, which means that you kind of have to smash it against the wall and, and rapidly kind of grab it all. Uh, so one day, that's, I'm going to clean out that trough, the trash trough in the truck. And um, I didn't realize that one of, the, one of the things that I had put in there was a toothpick. Yes. So as I went to forcefully and rapidly slide my hand along the bottom to get all of the trash, the toothpick caught on the end of the other side, and then the other end pierced into my cuticle, not under the fingernail, but into the cuticle about a quarter of an inch. Yes. I thought about my cuticle that day. I rarely do other days, but it's really interesting to me because that that small moment in my life really does illustrate a lot of what's going on in our text this morning. Uh, and here's, here's what I mean, because number one, the cuticle is potentially overlooked. It's, it's a, a potentially never thought about part of the body. Unless you get manicures all the time or you're really disciplined about proper cuticle care when you do your nails, you could go months without thinking about your cuticles. However, number two, the cuticle has a very important job, actually. The cuticle is, is there to keep unwanted items, particularly bacteria, from entering into your bloodstream at that place where your nails are pretty rapidly growing. But number three, again, the cuticle is just run of the mill and and unimpressive. It's not sexy, I guess, if you will, especially compared to the fingernail. Do you know the fingernail market is a multi-billion dollar market in the United States? Like painting them and taking the paint off and putting more paint on and growing them and putting fake ones on and all of that. Like they get all of the, all the press. Like they're, they're, they are what are exciting about the fingers, not the cuticle. But no, number four, no matter how mundane and pedestrian the cuticle is, when the cuticle gets hurt and is stabbed, for example, by a toothpick, and then bleeds profusely and then throbs to the beat of your heartbeat, your, heart, your, your whole body not only knows it, but your whole body jumps into action when that happens. My eyes grew wide in horror when this happens and immediately began to water. My lungs sent air through my vocal cords to produce some version of a scream, I think, or maybe words, and hopefully not those words, but maybe, I don't, I don't remember. The, the nerves sent immediate pain signals to my brain. My legs immediately launched me out of the truck. Maybe because there was more toothpick danger in the truck. Or maybe just to, to pace around while I shook my hand, my heart began to beat faster. Likely sending blood up to my brain in case I had to defend myself. My breathing increased for probably some of the same reasons. My feet then took me to the bathroom where my stomach immediately... No, I'm kidding. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But my, teeth, my feet took me to the bathroom so that my good hand could 
take the toothpick out of the bad hand and could put pressure on it and could apply a Band-Aid to it. Then the skin responded by constricting the cuticle back into shape and my, my blood sent coagulants to the area to clot the blood where the healing process continued. You see, it's not just that when one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body just says, oh, bummer for you. Your whole body jumps into action to care for that hurting part of the body is what I found out in that moment. Now, we know that the body is amazing, and, and I start with this. I tease all of this, this out. It was a dumb, small, painful part of my life, and life certainly goes on. But our text this morning is about the body, about the body of Christ and this analogy that Paul makes to our physical bodies. And we know that the body is amazing, and it's that amazing nature of how our bodies work together that Paul wants us to think about in connection to who we are as a church and, and who you are and who each of us are when it comes to the church. And I think a, a way to kind of think about this or put all of this together, I was thinking about this, that, that you will neither properly get the point of the church nor powerfully participate for the long haul unless and until you understand the idea of the body. I I think that's a part of what's going on here. That you you won't properly get the point. there's, There's a lot of scripture about the church and the nature of the church and how we're to think about the church. But this is one of them. And when you think about the church, you you won't properly understand your church, you in your church, nor powerfully participate in the way that God wants you to, unless you, you think deeply about the body. And it's if and when you and I consider our bodies, when you consider the, the interdependency when you consider the indispensability, when you consider the complementary nature of the parts of our bodies, it's then that, that something sparkles again in our hearts with regard to the church. But look where Paul starts, and this is, this is amazing to me. I just love this about what Paul is doing in this entire uh, letter. He first locates every Christian in this vision, doesn't he? Look at verse 12 again. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He doesn't say so it is with the church. He says, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The first thing that we see is there is a tremendous unity that every born-again believer experiences, even in the midst of incredible diversity. Five times in these two verses, the word one is used, and three times the word all is used. We are one body at regeneration. If you are a born-again Christian, our, our spirit's We're awakened, we just sung 10 minutes ago. If that has happened to you, the miracle of salvation, 
we were all made one members of the one body of Christ in that moment because in one spirit we were all baptized into the one body of Christ and we were all made to drink of one spirit which means that there's no Christian left out of this you can't skip this if you are a born-again believer we are all wrapped up into this if our water baptism is the physical sign of our union with Christ the actual event includes our immersion our baptism by the spirit into Christ with the ongoing experience of drinking in the Spirit throughout our lives. And even as there is one God who is three, we see diversity and unity even in the Godhead, so it is with Christ. There is certainly tremendous diversity in the body of Christ, but what did Jesus himself pray to the Father during his high priestly prayer except, Father, make them one. You see, there's this, this priority of, of unity. There's this inclusion of everyone. There's, there's nobody left behind. There's nobody left out of this. I love that's how he begins. And then what follows is a tremendous effort using a powerful analogy to help us all see this unity and diversity beginning with both the complementary nature of our body and, and the indispensability of every part of our body. I think if you're a note taker, you just write down complementary nature of the body. If we, if we wrap our minds around these concepts and the indispensability of all the parts of the body, what I mean is there's, there's no singularity here. No body is a singular anything. Look Look again at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Here's the diversity. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And, and, and this caps it. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Right? And we know this. Our bodies, of course, have and require many parts, Parts that are all absolutely necessary. We know this. How many of you have heard a message on this text before? A lot of us, right? I mean, we, we, know, we know these things. I think we can get the analogy that this is, that you consider the body and it's, it's mind-blowing. You, you watch the National Geographic shows or the science YouTube uh, videos about the whatever, pick whatever part of the body. And you realize that it's just absolutely mind-blowing how all of the hundreds of, of the parts of our body that we see and don't see combine in the skeletal and muscular and nervous and endocrine and cardiovascular and lymphatic and respiratory and digestive and reproductive systems, to name a few. All of these systems with millions of processes perfectly complement each other and are indispensable to one another for the healthy body to work. We know this. 
The analogy makes sense. Therefore, how ridiculous is it for the foot because it's not the hand or the ear because it's not the eye to say that they are not a part of the body because they somehow feel inferior. And again, we we understand this as well because songs and poems and art and photography, they... They, there, there is so much content in just those categories surrounding the eye, right? I mean, the eye, it's awesome. <laughs> you, maybe you, at one point in your life, looked deeply into the eyes of your wife and just got lost in the stormy seas that existed in there and were sucked in and fell in love in that moment. How many, how many times do you think just last night on a Saturday night, and let's just pick in the United States, in the bars across the country and at the wedding receptions, was brown-eyed girl played? It's brown-eyed girl. It's not brown, funky misshapen ear girl, right? Like nobody ever fell in love with their wife by staring deeply into her ear. Like that's not how it works. And we know that, that hands are awesome and hands can do so many things and hands, but then feet, you know, we know the deal. Like they're ugly most of the time. Like is anybody really proud of how your feet look? You know, and they, they stink most of the time or whatever, you know? It's like we get, we get this. But what do you do with the prettiest eyes in the world But if you couldn't hear? Or what would you do if your, your feet decided to quit, no matter how good your hands were at what you do with them? Or, you know, and then he pushes it to the extreme. He's like, or what if the whole body were just an eye? And for me, that's old school Monsters, Inc., right? That's Mike Wazowski. Which, if you think about it, whether Christian or not, the, the writers and creators of that movie considered what Paul's saying here to be monstrous if the whole body were just an eye. You see, I think we get the analogy, but here's my question. If this makes so much sense to us, if this makes so much sense to us, when we think about the complementary nature of our body, we think about all the different hearts working perfectly together, when we think about the indispensability of the parts of our body, then why is it that thousands and thousands of Christians within churches feel unneeded or unimpressive or unwanted or unnecessary? Or at the least, don't have this idea at the top of mind every time you're gathering together with your church. If this analogy makes so much sense to us, how come we rarely think about it? How come it, it rarely actually becomes the driving thought of who we are with regard to the church that we're a part of? Why is that? Because it's, it's not that the analogy fails us. And especially, by the way, when, when previously Paul just says, to each has been given a gift for the common good. 
There's nobody left out of this. There's nobody on the sidelines of this. As much as you could, could get a paper out today and write down on that paper the part of your body that you're fine with being removed as soon as we leave today. Just everybody write it down. Pick one part of your body. It's coming off, being taken out today. Like, we would never do that because we need every part of the body except I don't think we think about this enough. Now, we know that the Corinthians actually did actually think a lot about their gifts, and this was kind of a part of the problem. They're being addressed uh, because of their pride and the division, the attitudes of superiority and elitism that, that existed in their church for a variety of reasons. We know that they were divided ever since chapter 1, you know, all the way through. Here we are in chapter 12. And, and they, they, uh, they created categories of superiority and inferiority, and they actually use uh, spiritual gifts to make their case um, in their church. Those with impressive gifts were looking down upon the marginalized. Those with less impressive gifts, um, when... This is just absolute craziness to Paul. I mean, you can imagine how beside himself he is uh, when, for him, the body imagery comes to mind and the usefulness of everybody and the importance of everybody, and yet they are uh, considering the gift of tongues, for example, to be far superior than the other gifts and looking down on others. And I think we get this. We, I think we we can uh, relate to their struggle because of the heart of man. Certainly there are outward and uh, forward uh, seen parts of the body, noticed, maybe attractive. Um, I think we get this. But again, what, what Paul is saying is that if Christ is our head and we are the body, then what possibly could be unneeded? Like how important and necessary and powerful are the cuticles of the body of Christ. I, I wonder, maybe there's a cuticle of the body of Christ in this room today. That's just, that's who you are. That you're more protective than flashy. That you're more under the radar than seen. What about the steady, the always there? Maybe you're the elbow of the body of Christ or the knee or the toe of the body of Christ. Maybe you're the ribs that just stand firm and unmoving and ready to take the hit in order to protect the, the softer organs on the inside. Maybe you are the unseen stomach that processes and nourishes the whole body or the unseen lungs that push oxygen to the body. What about the healing parts of the skin and the blood? Are, are these parts inferior to the mouth that speaks? Or to the eyes that are beautiful and see? Or to the hands that are awesome? Or to the muscles that flex? The answer is not only just no, but you've got to be out of your minds, Corinthians, to think this. If you truly understand who you are and who Christ is and what his church is made up of, not just a unity of diversity, but absolutely complementarity and indispensability, then you'll realize that indeed in the body of Christ, every member matters. Every single one. 
But again, I, I think we can, we can relate to the problem because we live in this world where it just seems to us that some people or some gifts are just more impressive. If you're honest with yourself. I mean, we just lamented and, and grieved. My son called me from Virginia. Uh, I had known that uh, Tim Keller was sent home for hospice. I didn't know that he had passed away uh, that morning until my son called. And, and that's... I mean, it's just so sad, isn't it? And yet bittersweet because he's with Jesus, and yet we pray for his family. And um, I really have benefited so much. He's like, a, he's like a, uh, an outsourced mentor to so many of us, right? We've never met him, but the impact that he had in our lives. But, but I'm sure that he lamented this reality where, where his gift was so public, and we live in this world of celebrity pastors, you know, that, that get publicity and and just honestly seem pretty impressive like we're pretty normal pastors me and Aaron and we're never probably he probably have a better shot than I do but we're never gonna be uh mourned by a nation you know and yet I think that's such a part of the problem we actually say things like he or she is really gifted. Have you ever said that? Like in comparison to yourself, you're that, that guy. Or she is really gifted. When thousands upon thousands in a church would kind of say, and, and by comparison, I am just not. I think in my own life, and I think this applies to Aaron as well, our particular gifts, for example, are mostly public. We certainly have. I have inwardly facing gifts that, that go under the radar at times, but, but leadership and, and regular preaching and teaching in these kinds of, of contexts um, is outward. It's, it's seen by people. My ministry tasks don't exclusively exist under the surface or behind the scenes, and nor do errands. But do you know that we are both married to one whose gifts mostly do? For as long as we've known Sarah, she has been one of the most faithful and amazing behind-the-scenes servants that we know. For as long as we've known her. This, this church has Sarah's fingerprints on it in hundreds of ways. And many of you don't even know it. You probably couldn't even point them out. Because she loves to serve. She just loves to serve. And by the way, she doesn't love to serve because she's a pastor's wife. She doesn't love to serve because she's Aaron's wife. She loves to serve because she's a Christian. She's been saved by God and has been given a gift by God and a purpose by God. She's a, she's a member of this church and she loves this church and loves to use the gifts that God has given her in the church, right? And I know that there are, are dozens of Sarahs in this room. Regardless of, of whether your gifts are outward facing or under the radar, look again at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And then in verse 18, but as it is, God, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. That's a stunning statement, isn't it? 
God arranged the members of the body in verse 18. Each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So can I say to everyone here who is a born-again Christian, can I firmly say to every man or woman, young or old, by the authority of God's word, that you are not and cannot be indispensable. That you are placed in the body of Christ to be what God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. Again, whether you are the fingernail or the cuticle, be the fingernail or the cuticle for the glory of God. Whether you are the hand or the foot, the eye or the ear. The veins that distribute. I think about Charles Spurgeon's wife, if you know anything about her. She was homebound. And yet that didn't stop her from being this distribution system, like the veins that send the blood all around. Often go unnoticed until you're actually embarrassed by them in older life, in later life, right? Start to see them more regularly. She would send out Spurgeon's books and his sermons to people. She was a part of the body, even though she couldn't physically gather with them. Look, whether you are an encourager or if you have the gift of giving or serving or leading or administration or hospitality or teaching or setting up events or tearing down events or delivering a word of prophecy or expressing kindness or mercy... Use your gifts, brothers and sisters, for the glory of God. Amen? Use the gift that he's given you to the, to the max. Because that's the way it's supposed to work. And if you, if you get lost in that thought or you, if, if that begins to, to get fuzzy, how is it supposed to work? Just think about your body and how the body works. As a matter of fact, isn't one of the definitions of unhealthy or sick when any part of the body isn't working properly within the whole? Isn't that right? When something goes awry, that's that's what we call unhealthy or sick, which is why I think Paul finally goes to the interdependence of the body. We see the complementary nature, all the parts need each other, the indispensability of all the parts, and then there's this this interdependence of the body, the need for each other and working together. Look again at verse 21. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body. Again, God is the, is the driver of all this, the architect of all of this. He is the one who has so composed the body, giving greater honor to that part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And he concludes here with this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You see, we come to God's word, and it's, it's meant to change everything, isn't it? It's meant to change everything. And certainly, this passage is meant to change and to transform or to adjust or to sharpen certainly how we see each other. 
because in this final section, once again, Paul is, is driving a stake through the heart of elitism in the church by reminding us, using the body again, of our need for one another, our interdependence on each other. And even if you think you are less honorable, just like we cover certain parts of our body, and thus in a roundabout way we give those parts more honor, God gives more honor to the part that we think lacks it. So that there can be no division, so that we all care for each other all the more. It's the least in the kingdom that is the greatest of all, right? It is the lowest place that is the most honored by Christ. It is the least of these that he sees and cares about. So this shouldn't surprise us that God honors those who think they're most dispensable. God gives the most honor. I've had this kind of thought experiment in my mind. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. Where oftentimes I'll think, if Jesus were to come to our church today, I wonder who he'd go out to lunch with. And I don't mean that in any, like, I I really think Jesus loves me. It would be a thrill to see him. I don't think down on myself, but I guarantee you it would not be with me, right? Because of what we know of Jesus. Maybe he would go out to lunch, and and you know your church, with those who consider themselves maybe so insignificant. That everybody else's gifts are are so impressive, but, but all they do is pray every day for every one of you, right? And serve whenever they can. Or maybe Jesus would go out to lunch with, if you're an unbeliever here, you're not a Christian, and you're wondering about these things, and you've got questions, Jesus would go out to lunch with you, or would go out to lunch with the hurting, or with the group of, maybe Jesus would go out to lunch with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. You're like, forget all you adults. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with these guys. You see, I think, I think about that when I come to sections of scriptures like these because there are, there are sadly Christians who think that they are dispensable, that they don't really have much to offer, that they, they consider themselves and feel to be the least of these. And that's not a good thing in their experience even though Jesus draws near to the least of these, right? It's so interesting to me. But, but Paul cuts right through this with this, this language of interdependence, this indispensability and interdependence. He really goes after all of the isms in our attitudes. It, it's, this is meant to change how we think about each other. Our interdependence and the fact that when one part hurts, we all hurt. This crushes all elitism. This crushes all the division that that causes. It crushes racism in the church. You think that any, any born-again Christian from any nation, tribe, or tongue that's a part of your church body that is utterly indispensable and needed and useful and given a gift by the risen Christ is somehow marginalized? 
This crushes sexism. This crushes ageism, that the church is only for the young people and not for the old anymore. Or, if you're a young person, that it's only for the grown-ups and not for us. This, do you believe that a born-again Christian struggling with mental health issues is still not a vital part of the body with something to do or to give because of the Holy Spirit in them who has given them a gift? Or a new believer who is still rough around the edges, who's just getting started in sanctification, but yet has a gift. Has been made a part of the one body of Christ. Or maybe even someone who has grievously sinned in the past and yet has repented. Are they disqualified from any usefulness in the body of Christ? I think that sadly we can be a little different from the Corinthians. Again, because of sin, because of the heart of man that quickly places people into categories of superior or inferior, and then we tend to to compare ourselves to people or then maybe marginalize people in our minds. But how can this be if the, the overarching analogy and metaphor for you as a church is the body? How can the kind of division and pride or elitism or attitudes towards others not be completely swept away and transformed by God's word this is meant to change how we see each other it's meant to transform how we see each other you know how that story in the old testament with Elisha and he's not worried about all the armies that are coming against him but the servant is you know this story and Elisha says okay God opened his eyes, and he opens his eyes, and he sees all the armies of God and, and the chariots. And I feel like the parallel to that is for us as, as new covenant Christians, if I think we are, are so quickly drifting toward the opposite of the kingdom of God and all that Jesus wants us to see and to really know. Such that if we could ask, like, Jesus, would you just open our eyes for a second to see the kingdom realities that we are a part of right now in our lives, right? As opposed to the cultural realities that we actually see with our eyes every day. I think it would change everything about how we see one another. To see how important and necessary every single part of your church is God's word is meant to change not only how we see each other but he he means to change and transform how how we see the church in ourselves look Jesus died and rose again and he has given us life we are people of the resurrection aren't we and he has united us to himself and he has united us to the body of Christ, which means that you have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit 
to be used for the glory of Christ and the the mission of Christ through his church that he has promised to build. That means that you have a place and that you are wanted. That means that you have a purpose in your church. You have a purpose. You are indispensable. You are needed. It also means that you can't go it alone. You need the gifts of each other. We are a diversity in need of each other. It means, therefore, when, when we wrap our minds around, and, and actually what I mean by that is simply believe this to be true. When, when by the power of the Spirit, he stirs faith in our hearts to actually believe this and to embrace this, then it's meant to change everything. It's meant to change everything. For example, we live in Virginia Beach, and... We live by the ocean, and we're beach people. We love to go to the ocean as much as we can. I I was telling Aaron Sarah, a part of us dies every winter until summer comes again. And it just is like, and many of you are ocean-going people or gulf-going people. I know that the gulf is nearby. But you've heard of riptides, right? The riptide is a thing, and it's a dangerous thing, and you have to be careful about it because one of the sneaky things about a riptide is if you get into it before you know it you are so far away from the shore you hardly and that's the danger is it's it's pulling you out to sea and just in case you've never heard this public service announcement swim sideways right everybody knows that like you get in trouble by trying to swim against the riptide just go until you're not in it anymore Um, but I think the riptide in the church is this, this subtle pull towards a consumer mentality. As long as I've been a Christian, um, and I've been in that riptide, where the church becomes that thing where it's like, what do you got for me today? Right? And what, do you ha- what have you done for me lately? The, the, the subtle evaluation uh, becomes how you feel, where things are headed. It could be as simple as like a vibe. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people evaluate a church based on on the vibe or uh, all of the things. And it's not that that the things that we receive as a part of our churches aren't important. It certainly certainly is. And God takes us and we've all been part of of churches. and, And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that place in our hearts, where pretty soon, without us even knowing it, we've drifted so far away. When all along in that upside down kingdom of God, if he would just open our eyes to see that that's just not ever what being a part of a church is ever supposed to be about. If God has placed you as a vital part of the body of Christ that you're a part of, It's certainly about being joints of supply to one another, and it's in that community and relationship. But what I mean by that is is we've all been in the spot, no matter what season of life that you're in, where the question comes to your mind, do I want to go today? And a lot of times it's no. Like we're people, we're humans. It could be the teen group for whatever reason, right? I mean, there's a thousand reasons that you may or may not want to go. It could be your, your community group. It could be your care group. It could be the, the gathering. It could be anything, right? 
And again, what I'm talking about is that that subtle pull is towards the, the evaluation in your mind drifts really, really, really far from what, I won't, you all saw that, right? That was almost a disaster. You, you drift really, really far from, do I want to go and what might I get out of it to the heart of God for you, for how necessary you might be as a part of the body of Christ in that moment. Because every one of you has gifts that are indispensable to one another. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm right in the same boat with everybody. Where you, you just, you forget to think that it's not so much about what, what I may perceive to be good about going or not. It might have everything to do with how in one moment in someone's life, something that God might say through me or do through me might have a profound impact on the direction of that person's life, and I may never know it. Because we're a body. And the body shows up, and, and again, we're not, by the way, we're not, we don't have like a service team sign up for everybody to sign up on new service team committee. That's, that's not what this is about at all. It's, you see how this is like a seminal reminder in the scriptures that really do define who we are, defines who the church is according to God and how he sees us, according to, to Jesus Christ who is alive and at work in the world through his church. So therefore, for us, all there is is to, is to believe and to wrap our minds and hearts around this and to get after it for the glory of God in the ways that he's gifted us. Amen? That's what's up to us, is to, is to receive maybe the correction of the Lord in subtle ways or maybe to, to repent of ways that you've seen others in the church and, and maybe some of that superior inferior ways or to repent of an inferior attitude that has kept you on the sidelines but again to see us the way that jesus sees us to respond to that i'd encourage everybody here what do you feel what do you hear jesus is saying to you this morning through his word respond to that for his glory and our good amen let me pray lord we thank you for this analogy we thank you for this text we ask that you would help us each to respond. Lord, I thank you for those who have been here for years and have lived out this message. Lord, the amount of, of care that has, has crisscrossed through this church, the amount of relationship and friendship, the, the joints of, of supply that this church has been, and, and folks in this room, for years and for decades who have embraced this. Lord, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen and remind and, and uh, strengthen resolve to be what you've called us to be. For those who are new, Lord, to realize that there's not a probationary period. Lord, when you have united us and made us uh, members of parts of your body, that you give us all grace to please you. Lord, we know that this, this category fits into that. When we see you face to face and we hear the words that we long to hear, the well done, good and faithful servant, Lord, we know that, that this category applies to that and all that you've called us to and to be a part of your body. So Lord, help us 
pray that you would fan into flame the gifts that you've given to brothers and sisters, young and old in this church. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to see everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate that. Um, I, I just want to encourage us a couple of things what Eric said. One is just the title of his message and what the Lord says in his word is, is every member matters. And what that means is you matter. God has so arranged the body the way he has chosen to arrange the body. He has given you the gifts that he has chosen to give to you and all of us, all of you matter. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. And so, Eric, I'm so grateful for you preaching this to us, reminding us of this good news. But you all matter. As you're sitting there, as you're t- preaching, I was just thinking, can you imagine, like, when you don't show up to something or don't participate in something over a long period of time, it's like breaking your arm, losing an eye, not being able to see. It's like that, the, the body analogy. Like, you get to live life without that body part and the body's affected and the body adapts i think god's gracious and he's kind to us but i just share that in that sense of like that like you really do matter in in a major way and we talk about this a lot especially in new members everybody plays a part and and they do their thing but i want to encourage us in three things and just application and quickly one is this challenge you just to study the body not not the human body but the church body So when you show up on a Sunday morning or you show up to community group, just ask the Lord, help me to see what you see, Lord. And just recognize, we call it like different personalities and everybody's got their unique makeup. But but just watch. Watch one another. Pay attention to who's doing what. Because the Lord is at work in those things and it's for our good. It's for your good. So study the body. Number two, give thanks for the body. So as, you, as God opens our eyes to see different people doing different things and the different investments that they make into our lives, and um, it's just an opportunity for us to thank God because he's the one who has placed each member, each part in its place. We don't force ourselves into those situations. These are just gifts that God gives to us. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure out what those gifts are. And if you find yourself in that position, I just say, all of us have been there, and we're still there, and I would just encourage just serve. And that's my third and final point is as you wonder about, okay, what's my part? I would just say just show up and just start serving, and the, the Lord will place you where he wants you at the moment he wants you to be there, whether to serve or to receive the benefit of the other members of the body. And lastly, I would just say in this, I love being a part of this church. I love showing up each Sunday, interacting with all of you in some way. I love the conversations throughout the week. I love seeing some of you at random places sometimes. So I'm aware that every time I get to do this, we get to do this. This is just, it's, it's God's sovereignty at work. He's placed us together to run this race together by his grace. 
And it's a great place to be, isn't it? Eric, thanks for serving us. Marie, thanks for coming. Let me just pray and close us out. Lord, again, we ask, pour out your spirit upon us. Bless Eric and Marie as they travel back to Virginia Beach. Give them rest, protection, provision. Lord, bless us as we go leave here today. Lord, help us to encourage and build one another up. And Lord, use us to go and make disciples. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. May the Lord bless you with great peace. Have a great Sunday.